Hello and welcome to Select Match Type. My name's Simon Cowgill and I'm joined as always by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how are you? I am very well, Si. How's yourself? I am tremendous, thank you very much. Uh, excited to start our Buried Alive coverage with our first match. We're going to In Your House 1996, the Buried Alive In Your House, which obviously stole its name from the, uh, from the match type. Um, how do you feel about... Okay, I know we talked about in Hell in a Cell, um, in our Hell in a Cell coverage, pay-per-views not just having gimmick matches, but I feel like if it's um, the other way around, so the pay-per-view takes its name from the match that's happening, that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, perfectly, I'm perfectly happy with that. If they want to really push that this is a big event match, then it makes perfect sense. And to be fair to them, this was this is the first Buried Alive match that we actually have. So I can understand them making the big deal of it. And when you look at the rest of the card, I mean, Jesus Christ, what else are they going to push? <laughs> yes, that's true. I mentioned <laughs> previously that um, UFC do this. So each UFC pay-per-view will have like UFC 270, but then the tagline will be whatever the main event is. Um, so I quite like having in your house and then what the main event is. I, can think of others like Rock Bottom and, and things like that that have sort of been pushed with uh, what's happening. Final Four. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I don't mind it. I think it's quite a good idea rather than, I know in WWE at the moment we have the opposite where we get Hell in a Cell and, well, we better make some Hell in a Cell matches. Exactly. So, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. Obviously, there's a great irony at the moment with us opening within your house when the very last thing we can do is go in your house. <laughs> yeah. We, well, we can go in, in your house. No, in your... No, in my house. We can house. go in my house. We can go in your house, yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we launch our alternative wrestling promotion and we open with the In My House favour view. In my house? <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing I noticed about the show is the Sony PlayStation was the sponsor. Uh, given that the PS5 is just about to break, this made me feel quite old. <laughs> yeah, they take, when you look at this, I mean, this is 96. 96, yeah. Uh, 96. It takes a while for them to get PlayStation out, don't you? Get your hell of a lifespan. Yeah, because PlayStation was what? Like 95, I think it came out? So Yeah, around about that. So we get one every five, one every five years, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, just it sort of made me laugh, but yeah, 20, <laughs> 20 odd years later, I'm still playing the same. I've still got my PS1 upstairs, so well, <laughs> the nice well, talk, throwback. Yeah, well, we're talking, well, we're talking about play, PlayStation as a quick aside. It's one of the few consoles where you'll have a game come out where it recommends, or people recommend putting a tea towel over your PlayStation to eliminate <laughs> the grinding sound. If you haven't played the first Resident Evil on the PlayStation, and you actually yeah, so, recommended. Yeah, so you have a really, you have a really dramatic scene, and then you have the, the, the just that <laughs> as, as the next scene loads, absolutely perfectly brilliant, natural, perfectly natural loading noise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does fit quite well with the uh, title for our podcast, given that that comes from video games. Um, and I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Have you seen the um, the first screenshots from the AEW game that have been released? No, I've I've been when it comes again when it comes to gaming, I've been going retro recently because I just got downloaded. EA, the same EA have now made all their games available on Xbox. Yeah, so I've downloaded Burnout Paradise HD the other day. So I've been I've been browsing through that. Well, the only reason I mentioned so AEW have um, 
on the cusp of releasing their first ever game. It's do, being done by uh, Ukes, I think that's how you pronounce it, who have a quite a long history with uh, making wrestling games. Um, they've made some pretty good ones in the past, but the, the graphics for the game look like something from a PS2 or PS1 era. Um, it's obviously caused mass debate on Twitter because if you... Uh, if you think that the game looks bad, then you're obviously a WWE mark and just want AEW to fail. And what about t- uh, 2K20? But I know obviously it's the, the first uh, screenshot, so the game has, has got time to improve. But um, I don't think they're going to strip the entire game back and, and restart the, <laughs> to build the graphics from scratch. I very much, I very much doubt it. Honestly, when you say what you said about WWE wrestling and masturbate, I thought you more page uh, videos would come out. <laughs> no, let's let's move away from that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so we open the show with Vince McMahon on commentary. He's with the King and Jr. Who is fuming that his microphone's not working at this point in time? Um, Jr. is healing it up um there was so this is just after razor ramon has moved across to uh wcw and there's the famous sort of promo of jr welcoming razor ramon back and then it's not actually razor ramon that comes to the ring and it's all basically jr being an on-screen character that's unhappy that they're losing the uh the war to wcw which is an odd storyline to sort of portray on on screen yeah well talk about what you know that's what they say <laughs> yeah true <laughs> So the the match to the to the match itself. So obviously this is mankind versus the Undertaker in the very first buried alive match. We've talked about how in our Hell in a Cell episode that these two featured in about their long and storied rivalry. So it started with mankind coming across and being the sort of only guy that could hang with the Undertaker, for want of a better phrase. They had the boiler room brawl. Uh, we had Paul Bearer turning on. On mankind, uh, sorry, turning on the Undertaker and aligning with mankind. We've we've covered this in in some detail before, but it's such a a, a long and storied rivalry uh, that was so much better than anything else that WWE has put out at this point in time. I think it it was obviously as you say with the two talents, they were always going to get the, when they got together. They were always going to be magic, and the mankind gimmick was just absolutely immense. Still, my favorite Mick Foley gimmick. Yeah. I think a lot of people would say the same. With with this one, obviously, we've got, as I said, we had all the boiler room brew, we had the bearer switch to mankind. Did you I feel the promo before this was just messy as anything? Yeah, um, it kept trying to sort of do it, uh, kept giving the information with like headings on the screen as if it was a PowerPoint that you were <laughs> sitting through. <laughs> so we had the boiler room. And then <laughs> the Paul Bearer, and then Buried Alive. So it was like giving a summary of, of each step. But then the cover, the uh, the clips were from all over the place. So yeah, I, I do think that the um, the recap package before the match wasn't as as good as or as crisp as it could have been. Yeah, I mean, I can. The only thing I can say in their defence was this had been going on a while. The matches they'd had didn't seem to follow any particular logic to them they didn't seem to be thrown out there a bit so yeah the whole trying to tell that storyline could get a little bit messy i suppose yeah um one thing i do always enjoy when looking back at this um this rivalry is paul bearer and mankind being together two of the most distinct voices in wrestling i would say and together <laughs> for, uh, my 
Frances, my wife, sat playing and sort of lit, half listening, and she was just looking up every time Paul Bearer or Mankind spoke, or Mankind made these sort of pig noise of, while he's choking the Undertaker. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very entertaining. And now I need to cough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. That was, a, that was entertaining slash disturbing. Yeah. Well, that's the way Mankind was left to go, I think. Yeah, well, you, you, nailed, you nailed it. That was absolutely spot on. Um, so as Mankind starts to come out, Vince tells us that it's the first ever non-sanctioned WWF match. Surely there was another build that was um, positioned as being non-sanctioned so that it could be violent. Uh, no, I don't, I don't remember one off the top of my head. You're probably back in the territory days, I imagine. Yeah, true. Yeah, but as an as a actual corporate entity with WWF, I doubt there was a been saying this is the first and second one. I'm sure he, he remembers which ones they haven't had. And it always you, you'd makes you laugh. Though, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. It always makes you laugh, though, when it, as, every time when it's like, WWE, this match is unsanctioned. You don't need to use a ring. <laughs> You've got on your pay per view. Yeah, I I still think if one of your performers was to die, but you claim, well, we said it was unsanctioned, you're still liable, right? <laughs> you yeah. provided the ring. It's it's happened on your airtime. I don't think you can just wash your hands of it in such a way. It's like yeah, just don't just don't give them TV coverage. It's easy if it was unsanctioned. They'll find their own. They'll rent their own room. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, as I say, Mankind comes out first, then we get The Undertaker. Um, he's coming out all in purple uh, at this point in time. So he's got purple gloves and the sort of purple boot covers. One thing I noticed at the end of his entrance, there was a lot of smoke. King kept talking about how it was like it was raining inside. I don't know what sort of mist effect they were going for, but as soon as the, the match started, it was very difficult to see because of the amount of fog that had filled the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine whatever they're pumping out, there's probably lawsuits coming from it. <laughs> it's like 30 years down the line. No, still can't breathe. Still absolutely fucked. No, it's non-sanctioned. So if you die oh, yeah. as, as a <laughs> because of an asthma attack, that's, that's on them. If you watch it, <laughs> if you watch a non-sanctioned match, so you're just as, just as culpable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the take of purple and a hell of a lot of makeup. He is proper pale. He is... This is prime corpse phase Undertaker. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how Mankind is your favourite iteration of, um, of Mick Foley. We, this is a slightly different Mankind than the one that would go on to win world titles. So he's in the, the brown rags. It's very much the um, demented version of Mankind. So not the, the white shirt with a tie and Mr. Socko. This, this is a... A guy that's built up as a, a dangerous, unhinged character. Yeah, as, and does it absolutely brilliantly in the same way that he nails the corporate mankind absolutely spot on as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so we get quite a, a brawly start, um, lots of kicks and punches you'd, as you'd expect. Uh, the first real spot of the match is um, Mankind gets thrown to the outside and Undertaker uh, goes to the top rope and hits a flying shoulder block off the top rope to the outside. At this point in time, with the sort of blue um, mats that you would expect to see in a PE lesson or something, any jump to the outside is quite dangerous at this point in time. (laughs) Or it certainly looks that way. Well, yeah, it's rare for the Undertaker to come off the top. Obviously, yeah, we see him come off the rope for old school and stuff like that. But actually get the height and come off the 
way he does off the turnbuckle. It's quite rare for him to take it to come off. Yeah. They then head towards the grave for the first time. Um, I find it quite funny that both men slipped on the, uh, on the mound of mud as they tried to climb up. Just a <laughs> bit, bit of physical comedy there. <laughs> I found it funny that mankind got spooked by seeing a pile of dirt. Terry, I go, oh! Where does this come from? It's like, Mick, are you scared? Are you terrified by that? I've got bad news for you. You are not realise what you've signed up for. Also, he's already I mean, walked past that on the way to the ring because the grave is sort of next to the entranceway. He just, he probably came through and like, oh, Guardian Expo tomorrow night. I might pop that for that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely focused. I'm not going to look left or right as I'm walking down to the ring. <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it's like Zoolander. He just can't turn left. He just can't see it. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so they they brawl uh, to up on top of the the mound of mud um, around the grave. Mankind goes for a suplex, but Undertaker reverses with what looks like a small package. I know in our uh, sort of intro episode you said you weren't going to see any cradles or anything, but Undertaker's proven you wrong already, Chris. <laughs> Undertaker again making me look like a liar. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of this. Yeah. Um, but they, they, yeah, they sort of, so Undertaker puts Mankind in a small package and they just tumble down the hill uh, with Undertaker coming after. Uh, they're just covered, <laughs> covered in mud at this point in the match. Sounds like the worst nursery I've ever. <laughs> Mick comes tumbling down. <laughs> and the Undertaker comes tumbling after. Yeah, they smash you down with a fucking shovel. Yeah. Uh, they then head back towards the ring, which is handy for the fans in attendance, but I'm not sure of the strategy, particularly at that point. <laughs> no, they, they, do, they do actually cover quite a distance wandering backwards and forwards. Yeah. I'm not sure whether they're trying to get their step count in and just... <laughs> Both men have got their Fitbit to <laughs> goals to, to achieve tonight. Exactly. But uh, yeah, they, as you say, it's nice for the fans who are there to be able to see it. I suppose with the head boiler room brawl and the other matches they've had, it's kind of a rarity you know, for them to actually be in the ring. Basically, yeah. in their contract, maybe they're like, you have to spend a certain percentage of your time during matches within a WWE ring. But they, they don't spend very long in the ring because the next action is they go into the crowd, um, sort of towards where the hard camera is. Um, they, they start brawling in the crowd. Undertaker whips Mankind into the rail, takes a, a vicious-looking bump as he goes arse over, t- over it. It looks very painful. Um, and then the Undertaker uses a chair that's uh, sat up against the rail to jump over and hit a flying clothesline. We're seeing a lot of sort of high-flying or high-flying for a near seven-footer offence here from The Undertaker. Yeah, I didn't see the, I didn't see the chair there, to be honest, because I was watching it going, Jesus, he got a lot, he got a lot of fight off a standing start. Yeah, he basically used it as a bit of a, a step up, but still quite impressive, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, not, not as such, though, is it? It's just me sitting there going, my God, look at that hang time. It's like Jordan. I can do that if I'm a ladder. The other thing I noticed... Um, so jumping back to when they're heading towards the ring, but the Undertaker's always builders around seven foot. There's never that much talk about the height of mankind, but when they're walking to and from the ring, they're actually quite close together height-wise, I, I thought. It's really weird with wrestlers, just generally, because as you say, Undertaker, go, you look at him, you go, they build him seven foot, and then Big Show, seven foot four, or whatever, yeah, seven six, or whatever he is. Yeah. But the majority of wrestlers we see see up close, you see them standing next to each other. They're about six 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 eight at yeah. least. 
a, a mere six foot eight. Yeah. Why, why bother lying about the fact? It's not like six foot eight is smaller than an average height. So we need to make them look superhuman. Uh, yeah. So it's really, who knew wrestlers at all? Shocker. Yeah. It's, it's just odd that they never really talked up the size of mankind. Like it's all about his, um, his demeanor rather than how he's a big guy. But anyway, um, so Undertaker is in control, goes to hit old school, but gets stopped by Paul Bearer grabbing the rope. How many times have we seen uh, in our five series the Undertaker fail to hit an old, old school and fall um, testicle first onto the top rope? Is that... Yes, we've, we've seen it a lot. And I, as we were saying, 30 years of the Undertaker coming up now, that's a lot of impact on the older <laughs> yes. me and two veg. He's not, it's not um, anything else that's causing any of his injuries. It's just um, trauma to the old testicle. <laughs> He's looking forward to being able to just sit down and not have to have a massive, <laughs> pad, on, mass, pad, massive pad underneath him. He doesn't want to sit down. There's too much pressure on the injured area. <laughs> yeah, he'll be looking, I mean, when he has a couple of years off, he'll be able to do it with our hemorrhoid cushion. Yeah. He'll be actually able to sit there and go, sit there with him just flopping down and go, yeah, you know what? That was worth it. It was worth, it was worth every blow to my bollocks. I took. Exactly. So mankind, mankind starts to take control after that. He uh, chokes the Undertaker with uh, more of his sort of, what I've described as pig noises. I'm not going to do it again because it really hurt my throat last time. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Bearer then hands the Undertaker a, a mysterious object. It looks like a pen. <laughs> it, does, it does very much look like well, it's a long, it's a long, narrow object, which is why it looks really weird when when he attacks him with it. If it was a pair of knuckle dusters or some kind of heavyweight, the palms and attacks him to take him punches him, that's fine. You can get away with that. You look at that and go, okay, yeah. So his palms, so palm an object, gonna do some damage. But the way he hits it, it looks like he's trying to. Impale. If he gets, if he did actually hit him with it, he would impale him through the head. Yeah, it's, it's essentially a spike that he's hitting him in the face with. <laughs> we would just... We, we would see the mankind pull his arm back and blood just start spraying out the top of the Undertaker's head. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it would uh, lodge in there a bit like Lenny when he gets a penny stuck in the top of his head and then takes it out <laughs> and that's when he starts bleeding. <laughs> yes, that's also... <laughs> that's, that's the kind of coverage we're looking for. Yeah. That's... It's, I just think it's really odd that um, the commentary team talk about it. So Vince talks about how it's no holds barred, but, but it shouldn't be allowed. Um, and they, they never actually say what the object is. And it's, it, it's about the size of a pen. So guys in the, in the crowd would have had no idea what it was. <laughs> do, you, do you reckon they meant to bring something? Whoever's job it was to bring something along? And they've got, they've turned the, they've turned the, they turned the yeah, they've turned the arena, they've gone, they've got, hey, Buddy, or Mike, or whatever his name may be, go, you got that object for this match? And he's like, um, yes. <laughs> he's down off to WH Smith's pen. Bear is fuming because he's just been handed a marker. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. He well <laughs> hit him with the urn. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, Paul's just there going, no, look, I've got this. This, this works. There you go. No, Paul, it's very important. 
Mankind hits him with the marker. We've got to deal with part. We've got a stationary deal with partners or Bic, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Undertaker manages to turn turn the tables, gets hold of the mysterious spiked object. Um, Bic can sponsor us here if you if you want to ask <laughs> or something. Um, and he hits Mankind with it. King heals it up at this point. This isn't right. Um, and Vince is very quick to put out, well, it wasn't right before, but I don't know why you're saying it's not right. Yeah, it, it gets quite confusing. Vince is basically tripping over himself to try and uh, be impartial and balanced, whereas the King's obviously just healing it, healing it up on commentary. Um, the Undertaker then hits a, a third flying clothesline, but this time off the ropes. Um, gets a lot of height on it. Air Jordan, as you uh, pointed out, Chris. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm less impressed with him now. Now that I realise he was a chair. Uh, he, he got the stepladder into the ring and then did the flying clothesline. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to believe anymore. I can't believe you <laughs> No. Bearer then distracts the Undertaker with the urn and we get a huge chair shot from Mankind. Um, it's, there's some ridiculous uh, sounding chair, shots, shot, yeah, chair shots in this match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really does smash him with it. I was just thinking earlier with the near the start of the match, we also have that completely unprotected bump that man, Mankind takes with his back of the head going backwards into the railing. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. That was just before the um, the Undertaker jumped off the top rope. Yeah, so when he got thrown out of the ring, he, he falls backwards into the railing and back, bangs the back of his head. They, they do play up that uh, Mankind enjoys pain, the commentary team in this match. So may, that, maybe that's why I've uh, skipped over that one. Yeah, it's a good, good job he does. Cause I love, I love yeah. The audience at this point, you can definitely tell that it's a young audience as there's just kids screaming, rest in peace. It's probably because all the teens are watching WCW at this point uh, since they've got the, the big stars and not characters like uh, Repo Man and stuff like that that WWE yeah. has been building at this point. I, wouldn't, I, I, I wonder whether there's a crossover with the chance here because I'm, I'm sure I hear Burger King as well. Oh, really? Because sure <laughs> King also, we'll, come, we'll get there when we get to the end, but King also covers it at the end, and he, meant, he mentions it. And I thought I heard it, but then I was like, no, because it does sound like rest in peace. Yeah. But yeah, the fact he mentions it later makes me wonder, makes me think that, yeah, there was a mix of chance. Fair enough. I do, at this point, I did wonder whether WWF having such a young audience at this point in time was part of the reason that they ended up winning the Monday Night Wars and part of the reason that the Attitude Era started. Because three years later, sort of, the, the guys that would be watching this and their voices not broken chanting uh, rest in peace would be the same people that would be cheering when Austin's putting fingers up and drinking beer. So maybe the, the fact that they had a young audience here helped them in the long run because um, they grew up and wanted more edgy stuff. I know it's yeah, not really yeah. a bit the, the sort of thing that we tend to cover in, uh, <laughs> in our podcast, but it just it stuck out to me as around this sort of time that the, the audience was very, very young. No, I think, I think it's a great shout to be honest there. So I just say that, that couple of years down the line, you say when they're in 15, 16, 40, and let's face it, we know as well as anybody, if when you're older, you've been following wrestling for a while, you can get jaded and drop out of it pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas if your product's running on Saturday morning, Saturday morning as the old WWF would, 
would have been. And then obviously going up against them, then you got that audience who will just watch it every week, regardless of the actual quality, just because they like wrestling to begin with. Yeah. It feels like we're getting way too serious uh, for for one of our episodes. So let's uh, let's go back to uh, to taking the piss out of something, please. <laughs> so they head back towards the grave. The Undertaker gets knocked in, and King gets very excited. Get the shovel, get the shovel. I don't know if they d- picked up uh, some commentary from something else that the King's been up to in his life, but <laughs> there we go. That that's more our sort of level. There we go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's our, our, our slightly libelous possibly. <laughs> I didn't say he did. I just questioned whether they had. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> what I would say with the grave, the grave actually doesn't look too bad. We've we've mocked taking falls into holes or onto trucks or Triple H being choked slammed off the uh, stage against the Undertaker, and we've mocked the huge spongy nature of the stuff underneath them. Yeah. At least this kind of looks like a solid hole. A solid hole. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what he said, yeah. Yeah, uh, it did look a little... So you can tell it's not actual dirt. You can tell there's a, a physical structure around the grave, but it's it's deep, as we'll find out uh, later on in the show when it takes 20 minutes to fill it with dirt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Undertaker gets knocked in. The King gets very excited. Um, Undertaker then manages to pull Mankind into the grave and they brawl. Um, the, the crowd... Uh, pop quite big at that point but they managed to get out and head back to the ring again i'm i'm not sure of their strategy here mankind hits the undertaker with a pile driver which looks very vicious um you can tell that we're at the point in time when pile drivers are still uh, used and not necessarily understood to cause brain trauma and other things yeah that is a is a short pile driver as well isn't it? it's one of those ones where there's no way to cushion when you land your head yours your neck and your shoulders are getting crushed as you go down. Yeah. Um, Paul Bearer slides a steel chair into the ring and then Mankind hits a double arm DDT onto the chair. Again, uh, not the sort of thing you'd necessarily see every week at this in, in the modern day, but this was the sort of thing that The Undertaker and Mankind were doing to each other constantly through their feud. After hitting that, Mankind just starts rocking in the corner with the urn, um, again, playing up his sort of deranged character. But the Undertaker sits up. Who'd have who'd have guessed that? Who'd have thunk it? Undertaker grabs the chair, hits it across the back of uh, mankind, and again the noise as it hits his spine is ridiculous. Yes, you see the force he just throws into it. There is there is no pulling back no. on that whatsoever. He's like he's like a home run smash. He's smashing that. Well, one in the steel a ridiculous cliche from WWE. Going in the home run. Yeah, but my God, does he swing it? Fences, yeah, for sure. Um, Undertaker then puts the chair across Mankind's face and hits a leg drop. And the camera at this point cuts to an absolutely classic Paul Bearer face, where he's sort of disappointed and disgusted at the same time. Um, I'll put it out on on Twitter and Instagram this week. It's it's a hell of a of a face that Pet Bearer pulls at this point. They carry on brawling. Mankind exposes uh, the floor by pulling back the. Uh, the, the gym mat essentially goes for a pile driver, but it gets reversed. This was surely a botch as the Undertaker goes to backdrop it, drop that, goes to backdrop Mankind, but Mankind doesn't let go. So the Undertaker just sort of falls backwards with a sort of upside down piggyback and he falls backwards into the steps. That was a botch, right? 
It, it must have been, but you got to think, why is, why is Mankind hanging on though? He knows how to wrestle, <laughs> like it's his first match. <laughs> exactly. At what point, when he, was, when he was going over to be backdrop, did he go, do I let go? <laughs> what do I do here? And they just hang on to him. Yeah, it was odd. A bit, it, he seemed to land on the corner of the step, which, oh, imagine that hitting you in the back. It's, it's unpleasant, I would suggest. Undertaker then throws the steps into the ring, hits them, uh, hits him with them a few times, and then hits the tombstone. I cr- again, he then has to carry mankind from the ring all the way to the uh, entranceway to bury him alive. Which you've got to question your strategy here. I I would say. Yes, yeah, as we say, it's not all the way they keep going. They keep going backwards and forwards. Yeah. It's like just. There's stuff back to I mean, there's stuff down there. There's shores, there's stairs. That's what they're doing with. They need people. They need to not not fight harder, fight smarter. So yeah, Undertaker uh, carries him towards the grave. Um, as they're climbing back up the mine at the mound, mankind gets the mandible claw again. Thanks. Uh, they play up as though it's a distraction from Bearer, but I didn't actually see it. I think the camera work probably missed it to be honest, because. Uh, you can tell that it's before WWF have got um, a, a large investment in their production values, let's say. Yeah, it, it does seem like he's carrying them along and then suddenly we, we cut to him being in the mandible claw. It does look, you get with a few weird cuts where it looks like something different is suddenly happening. Yeah. Which is a shame, but as you say, if you've not got the equipment, then you're going to str- struggle to catch everything. There's just too much going on, side. Too much excitement for <laughs> one person to catch it. two people in one match. <laughs> there is too much to go- going on. Um, so, yeah, ma- uh, Mankind edges him towards the grave, but The Undertaker manages to escape um, and hits what they describe as a choke slam, but it's more of a choke push uh, into the <laughs> grave. Um, he then slowly drags some dirt as though he's not right, quite sure what to do with a shovel. Um, the technique all around at this point is awful. Um, and Undertaker has announced the winner after a light dusting of dirt covers mankind in the grave. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, not a great, it's not a great finish. It's also not helped by the fact that when, after we have the choke, the, the choke shove, which to be fair, it should be on the Undertaker's repertoire because it's also what he does the Raikishi at the Armageddon pay-per-view. Yeah, exactly. So the classic Undertaker choke, choke shove it's, it's not helped by mankind then having to move around into the grave so because he's facing the wrong way so the camera can get a shot of him laying there yeah um but also he's i would say he's not been buried alive he's been lightly inconvenienced or sorry minorly inconvenienced by a little bit of dirt on top of him <laughs> he's been lightly dusted yeah um, the undertaker carries on pouring dirt again really slowly but suddenly from behind there's a shovel shot from a mystery man that we never actually learned the name of in through the night, but it, it turns out it's the executioner. Um, I have very, very vague memories of the executioner. <laughs> I have zero memories of the executioner <laughs> until, 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 this, until this match. Oh dear God. I'd say, yeah, Undertaker being slow, slow as anything, as you say, with the, with the soil handling, which oh. makes me believe that, you know what, if you wanted someone a relative buried, you wouldn't hire him to take it. That would be the last person you want to be hiring him. <laughs> well, he puts them in the ground and then some, he gets his interns to cover them in dirt, I imagine. It's like, well, you have to... More, more money. More money spent out. Not only have you just lost a loved one, you're having to just 
four cameras, you're not even on your service, you're Undertaker, and then someone actually threw in the grave as well. That's where they get you. All these That's additional add ons. That's where these, these funeral homes get you. The executioner drags mankind out. Um, again, we get RIP chants from kids. They throw uh, the Undertaker back into the grave and there's very slowly dirt poured onto him. The executioner does go for the uh, sort of dog trying to put a bone in the garden technique though, which seems slightly better than the Undertaker picking up three specks of dirt and pouring it onto mankind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, all, all around sloppy styles yeah. is... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the next AJ turn. Floppy <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> styles. Um, there's then a thunder effect for some reason, even though it's not the Undertaker that's being buried. And Gold Dust, along with Triple H, and I think the, the commentary team said Crush, although I couldn't really look at the screen because I'm not great with strobe lights. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is Crush. It is Crush. Um, also JBL. Yeah, I thought, um, thought they mentioned JBL as well, but as I say, I couldn't really pay attention to what was happening on the screen because it was giving me a bit of a headache. Um, <laughs> just say that The Undertaker was declared the victor, but he's only supposed to be buried alive, not like this. He's literally being buried alive. I don't understand what, <laughs> what your problem is, Vince. Someone's being <laughs> buried alive. Someone is being buried alive, but not like this. Well, no, I, think, <laughs> I think it's an issue when the person who wins <laughs> wins is buried alive. Yeah. It's like you don't get, you don't get the Champions League final and go, uh, that's a great win for United. Real Madrid receiving the trophy there. No, United have come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'll take a Champions League final at this point, to be honest, Chris. <laughs> that's awesome. There you go. You can have that imaginary one. Yeah. You can put that on the trophy shelf. Yeah. But yeah, as we're saying, it, they just come out, they're, they're buried in, in a long, long time. It's a good king. job. It's a good job that four other people come out to help because it takes forever to for them to actually bury him. The um, king and Vince have to fill a lot, a lot yeah, of time. They really do. Uh, Bearer does a good job though, um, as the camera cuts in on him. The Undertaker's gone forever. Oh yeah! I did enjoy Bearer healing it up at this point. See, it's at this time when people are chanting "Rest in peace" again. Yeah. That. I was, I say, I'm sure they're chanting Mitzvah because Lawler at this point said something along the lines of, "You should, you should save your breath about me and actually be and be shouting about the Undertaker." I think what he's getting at is that the Undertaker is going to need breath because he's under a lot of dirt. It was a good line, <laughs> yeah. especially now I've explained it. <laughs> um, that's that's fair. I mean, if I misheard him, then I'll I'll credit. Jerry Lawler with an okay line. So. Yeah. Uh, King's laughing as Vince is play, uh, being being the concerned uh, owner of the company. It's just, it's just going on and on forever. In fact, you, you can see how long it takes for them to actually cover him in dirt because some fans start throwing rubbish into the grave and there's a Coke cup that I just watched for it for a while and it just never gets covered. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait. We had an episode of Simpsons on. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> it just carries on for ages. Uh, there's a crack of thunder, though, as, it, as the grave starts to, to, to fill up after about 10 minutes. All the other guys run away, uh, so we're left with Mankind, Paul Bearer, and the Executioner. They pose, uh, but then some lightning hits the headstone. We've not actually mentioned the headstone yet, which was a, obviously a, at the top of the grave, where, where you'd expect the headstone to be. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, uh, 
it was pretty cool looking. Um, they've done a good job with it, with making it sort of the match card as uh, they made the match card into a into the the headstone, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, it did look. It looked really, really good. Kind of, um, looked like they actually spent a bit of money on it. Yeah. So lightning hits it, and we get Vince amazingly describing it as unbelievable. I didn't actually notice Vince mentioned unbelievable at any other point in the match. I might have been wrong, but. It's obviously trademark Vince line. Um, and as that happens, the Undertaker's hand comes out of the grass. Definitely the grass, not the dirt. So not where he was being buried. <laughs> but that's a different matter. Um, and it's the, the fairly iconic shot of whenever you type in buried alive into Google Images or whatever, it's the, the, one that, the first one that comes up with the, the Undertaker's purple glove peeking out of it. And Vince, to end the show, tells us that the Undertaker lives, which is a confusing message as is... One of his nicknames is the Dead Man. Yeah, true. It's the yeah, it's the classic carry hand out the grave, final shock, jump at the end. But it's, again, they would they would do this. You all you need is him take a hand coming up, Vince going his alive, cut away. No, that's no, we don't do that. We have, we have, we go have his hand shoot up, but a minute or so of it just. Vaguely, vaguely waving around. Yeah. Is the restaurant coming up, or are we now going into a story where Undertaker's decapitated, possessed hand is running around chasing after people? He's turned into, is it the thing from uh, the Adams family <laughs> with the hand just yeah, that's, around? That's exactly it. It's like, because if, if I was dead and I got my hand up, I'll probably be making a lot more of an effort to get the rest of me out. I'm just fading, yeah. waving my hand around. Yeah, true. So that that's the end of the match, the end of Buried Alive 1996. What did you think of the match, Chris? Uh, <laughs> it's, a weird, it's, it's a weird one, this starting point, because it's hard. To, we we don't, don't really want to judge it against the other Buried Alive matches because it's unfair on the late ones that come and obviously get it down to a more refined formula. Yeah. This was caught, it was caught between two stools because there's a lot of action taking place in the ring. And then we had a lot of the chair shots and the urn shots and the weird knife stabby thing sponsored <laughs> by Bic that they, were using, that they were using early on. So it was caught between a violent hardcore style match and a more traditional early 90s WWF match. Yeah. And because it falls between those two stalls, you kind of left not really satisfied with either. Yeah, I know what you mean. I thought, so if it was just a hardcore match, it, it was nothing compared to like the Boiler Room Brawl or uh, the Hell in a Cell match. Obviously, that's not happened at this point in time, but this wasn't as good as some of the other matches in the feud is what I'm trying to say. Um, it was decent, though. There was some brutal chair shots and, and physical... Um, clearly physical offense some nice spots from the undertaker doing uh, like the dive over the rail and um off the top rope and if it was just a hardcore match i feel like it would have been um better regarded the problem i had with it was surely they had a, a dry run of how long is it going to take for some dirt to be shoveled from a pile into a grave i think feel like <laughs> how long that took just took away from the match quite a lot Maybe they really, they must have just really underestimated it. Maybe they just looked at it and went, well, we've got five guys, they've got a shovel each. How, how long can it possibly take to get some dirt in at all? Yeah. Well, maybe they sort of, I, I have a feeling they might have called a bit of an audible. Um, so when they saw The Undertaker struggle to get like 
half a dusting of um, of dirt onto mankind. That's where I think when they realise shit, we better send some other guys out. Otherwise, it's just going to look like the Undertaker's uh, put his hand out, even though he's not there. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that detracted from the match slightly, but it, it was it was okay and quite quite innovative, if I suppose. But <laughs> maybe they should have put a bit more practice into what was going to happen. But yeah, I say for for what they for what they did though. And the attempt, and what they actually did to make do something original, and the effort the guys played, and the fact that it wasn't alright, I'm going to give this one a straight down the middle, three stars. I think yourself. I'm going to give it exactly the same, three stars. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this one three and three quarter stars. Uh, I think so, he's normally we moan him for being harsh, but I think that <laughs> that's overly generous. I think it's generous. Fair enough. So what happens next with these guys? So the Undertaker returns, obviously, to continue the feud. He beats Mankind at Survivor Series um, in a match where Paul Bear is in a shark cage above the ring. Um, and he then goes on to beat the Executioner at the next In Your House pay-per-view. Uh, the feud uh, sort of goes on the back burner as we discussed um, in our Hell in a Soul coverage, but. They they obviously come back together for the Hell in a Cell match. If you if you haven't listened to that, it's one of the my favourite episodes that we've done so far. So yeah, make sure you you give that episode a listen if you haven't already. But the other thing I was going to mention about this this pay per view uh, is the opening match, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, Triple H playing the the very sort of arrogant upper class heel at this point, but the match is probably most notable for the fact that it's the debut of the glass shattering um, entrance music for Stone Cold. There you go. You said nothing happened. There you go. I've had a there you go. It's, it's famous for two modes now. The very light match and so and the sound of some glass shattering. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fair. it's fair enough. I was just going to say with the Undertaker, oh, you obviously oh, when we discuss the aftermath, that's part of the problem as well. Don't have the Undertaker bearing live and then having back on wrestling, that wrestling the next pay for you. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this with um, with other matches in the past where if if it's going to be this sort of stipulation, you have to write um, write someone off TV for a while. At least a couple of months. Don't just have them, because otherwise it may as well not be a Buried Alive match. There's no jeopardy then, is there? Um, no, that was... Other... Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry, because I was... Well, we're just... Because I doubt we're going to go back to it, come back to In Your House for a while. But again, that was the problem with the In Your House idea. You can't knock out a pay-per-view once a month and then plus the main ones without it just getting dull and repetitive and you're paying for matches that you're going to see on Raw or SmackDown week in, week out. Especially at this point in time when the roster was quite thin. I know obviously SmackDown wasn't around in 96, but Raw was. Um, and there wasn't a, a big enough roster for them to have a monthly pay-per-view. Not in the same way that they did in like the early 2000s, where they could actually put on different matches each month. Um, any other closing thoughts then from Buried Alive 1996? No, um, obviously... Great starting point. You've got to include the Undertaker, as we will do multiple times yeah. across, the very, across the very live matches. It's great to get an original idea and out there. And kudos for WWE for trying something different at the time. And while it didn't quite work, it's plenty of promise moving forward as we cover the other ones, because the other ones are great. Yeah. So next time we're going to jump two years into the future as we carry on our Buried Alive coverage. 
Don't forget, as always, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Our back catalogue is available wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on social media. That's at Select Match Pod. That's on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. Um, until next time, then. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you, Chris. Hope you've enjoyed the match. I did. Thank you very much for having me. And speak to you next time.